sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. back here early line hour number two bright and early on a monday thanks for getting up on the grid with the spitting statistician and the candle burner as we look back at these week 14 games kev you know we've had our conversations about who are the mvp contenders right we all think patty mahomes is going to run away with this he's almost entered mike trout lebron james territory right um well there's another guy out there that augmented his case for a team that is now the one seed in the NFC, and the man is Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers with 290 yards passing, three touchdowns, and a rushing TD for the number one seed in the NFC as the Green Bay Packers go to Detroit. They beat the Lions 31-24. Thank you, Matt Stafford, for your backdoor cover, however. Devontae Adams, hmm. seven catches, 115 yards, and a touchdown. And listen, I'm not calling it a herd per se, but Rodgers is finding his guys. Tunyon with a touchdown. MVS with a touchdown. Aaron Jones involved. The Packers, Aaron Rodgers, and I fully believe the chemistry with second-year coach Matt LaFleur is keeping Green Bay at the top of the upper echelon in the NFC. What say you, Kev? I know this is your horse you're riding with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you know that, and it's it's been that way for a long time here. Uh, I it really is. like what Green Bay has to offer. I think Aaron Rodgers is just playing unbelievable football on the season. Thirty nine touchdowns to four interceptions, and to be to be fair, Dane, you've been beating the Rodgers MVP drum. I think it was like week three. I think you're like, hey, early on, Rodgers, but it was everybody. still Russ. When it was still Russ out in front because yeah. of the narrative. I thought Green Bay would would wind up twelve and four, and there is the right. narrative, Kev, about like how Green Bay never gave Aaron Rodgers any help, and so he's doing right. it all on his own. That adds to the case, but I digress. No, but but at the end of the day, you've got a situation where those two have numbers, Rodgers and Mahomes. Very similar at this moment. And now Mahomes' team does have a better record, but Rodgers has more touchdowns and less picks because of this game by Mahomes where he throws three interceptions. I think you got to look right. at this spot here where Rodgers is more in the fold. And as you said, this team has been my horse uh, in the NFC for mm-hmm. a while now. And if they sure finish has. with home field advantage, I mean, I will feel incredible about that. Because that was the other thing I, I said. Because I thought they'd be able to get it, and I do think that they need it maybe more than any other team that's going to be trying to make this push. Yeah, remember, we're talking about January. We're talking about potentially Lambeau Field instead of a dome, right? Um, So, yes, or instead of down in Florida or something like that. So, absolutely, that will be a difference. We do have to make the note in this game, though, Matthew Stafford got crumpled up towards the end. And when the Lions, you know, had a chance, right, you know, with their backdoor cover and all, it was Chase Daniel. Um, who was on them. Did you have any chance to talk to Dr. Chow about this or any of these other injuries? Alex Smith, Daniel Jones, yeah. Matt Stafford, multiple quarterbacks left games yesterday, Kev. 
He said that Stafford probably doesn't practice, but plays next week. And he said, okay. uh, especially with Alex Smith, expect them to be very, very cautious. But he didn't think it. And this is the crazy thing when you talk Alex Smith. He's like, don't be alarmed. His leg isn't going to be, you know, right. torn to pieces. Because that's the thing with Alex Smith. Right. No, no, but like that's a legitimately that's thing right. that he went through. So that was not uh, the point of contention. But he expects Stafford to be back uh, for this team next week. Fair enough. Big shout out to our radio affiliates for joining the party bright and early in the morning here on the early line. We give you the edge on the grid. We also fundamentally put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, you know, we're talking about that MVP race, right? And, you know, Patty Mahomes is minus 250 to win the MVP award, right? Mm -hmm. So he is the runaway favorite at minus 250. He did throw three picks, okay, yesterday. He is probably going to be the quarterback of what, a 14 and two one seed the favorite to win the super bowl we get all that right but i continue to submit to you kev aaron Rodgers is the plus 175 second choice Mm -hmm. and the packers have a path right now right to 12 and 4 in the one seed in the nfc and you talk about the narrative around him i do legitimately think aaron Rodgers is a contender we have had movement in this award though right now the third person is josh allen at 33 to 1 followed by russ at 50 to 1 and then big ben derrick henry and ryan Tannehill at 100 to 1 ironic when we talk about tennessee that both the quarterback and the running back (laughs) are at the same level in that mvp race right kev no i I love that i want to josh allen will now forever if he's ever in any mvp race gabe this was a while back but he goes Ooh. if it, he said he goes if it wasn't for Rodgers, Mahomes, and Russell Wilson, and this guy would be the MVP. And it was something that made hmm. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. It was like yeah, if it wasn't for these three guys that are all clearly in front of him, be the MVP. I mean, it's just like if it wasn't for the Los Angeles Lakers, I mean, sure, the Denver sure, sure. Nuggets win the Western yeah. Cup. It's like it's like yeah, but they, if it wasn't for there. Michael Jordan, Carl Malone, right. and John Stockton might have some have championships. Way more title. I don't know. Like, might as well, yeah. but go ahead. The way that he said it just absolutely floored me. So I love yeah, that Josh yeah. Allen is there, but also just to make the distinction, and, and you know, you were kind of going through it, they have now narrowed this down to two. And I'm a little point, surprised that Russell Wilson does check in that far down the board at 50 to 1. I mean, this guy Dane was minus money to win this award. Yeah, he was. I can't imagine a world where a guy was minus money with still three weeks left in the season is at 50 to 1 to win the award. It's unbelievable. And you know who I just feel bad for? Is Big Ben. He's not going to win Comeback Player of the Year because of Alex Smith. He's going to be like a 13 and 3 quarterback. No respect. We'll come on right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line where we are extolling our own virtues and lamenting our losses on a Monday as we look back at week 14, Kev. 
Let's talk draft order here because the next game I want to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks and the New York Jets. Oh. Sure, Seattle gets right on the good foot. Sure, Seattle wins 40-3, to right? Sure, they bounce back. And, you know, Carson runs for a touchdown. Russ only six incompletions, four touchdowns. I don't know if that's cooking to you or not, but also Jamal Adams in a revenge game. Remember this. Uh... He gets one of those weird sacks of Sam Darnold, but it's really running him out of bounds for a loss of yards technically. But technically, Kev, that was his eighth and a half sack of the year. Do you know that that's an NFL record for a member of a secondary? No safety or cornerback has ever had more than eight sacks in a season. Jamal Adams setting that record yesterday. And I got to pull stuff like that, right, Kev, because... Otherwise, it was ridiculous. Russell Wilson throws, gets four touchdowns. The Seahawks score 40 points, and the Jets continue to be a dumpster fire. 40-3 to three is the final for Seattle. Uh, Joe Lisi and I had a spirited debate before this game about oh, whether yeah. it would go over or under. I simply said I liked the under, which he responded mm-hmm. by saying, well, I like the over even more now. We then traded blows <laughs> about it. Carson Wentz being benched and Notre Dame uh, taking money from him as he bet UNC. Ultimately, the Jets said they made some field goals, would have been able to push this game over the number. Yo, word it up. Rosas. Because they're the Jets. Because they're the Jets. And they scored three points. And they got blown out here. And they lost this game by 37. Ultimately, the one thing that's unfortunate about this game is we can't take much unless you think we can. I don't think we can take much away from this from Seattle, though, right? I mean, is this the type no, of defensive no, no. performance that we're going to be like, oh, listen, that this is the defense that we've been selling everybody on? Like, it's the Jets. Is this but a, is this a like, game? <laughs> this is almost like a BYU or a Cincinnati game. They couldn't impress them because no, of what they were doing because of their opponent. I just want that to. I think the only other time I've said this about a game was when Hinton started for the Denver Broncos. So the two instances where I feel like we legitimately can take nothing away from a game is when a not-real quarterback was playing quarterback and just the Jets showed up to Seattle. Because I don't even know what to make of the offense here. Again, get the Carson, all that stuff aside. Like, Russell Wilson throws four touchdowns. Dan, he was on the bench by the third quarter. Do you know how insane you that is? Little Geno Smith like they, action. Like, they usually will make you at least play through three quarters before they'll put the starters on the bench. And they were like, listen, this is a waste of our time. This game is over. And it mm-hmm. was over. And it was probably over yep. well before that. Carlos Hyde had a drive where he had ripped off back-to-back 15-plus-yard carries. He had a solid game. Chris Carson, solid yards per carry, gets himself into the end zone. I mean, it was this was a college game. Right, I mean, that's yeah, what this was. was. It was it was two yeah. teams just on complete opposite ends of the spectrum here. It's what you wanted though, if you're the Seattle Seahawks, because last week yes. they were in a similar spot and they lost that game outright. Yeah. So that's a nice bounce back for them. With I, I think, and you can say that at the minimum. Yeah, absolutely. I do also like a return to the efficiency. Like the 22 or 27 for Russ is sort of the kind of completion attention that we saw earlier on. Remember at one point in the season, I think we said he had more touchdowns than incompletions, right? And this Mm -hmm. was sort of a return to that on some level, four touchdowns and only about five incompletions. But you're absolutely right. I'm not going to take much from this game. The one other game, by the way, Kev, that I said I could draw a line through was that crazy Wednesday uh, day football game just because of the extenuating 
surrounding circumstances. But I give you that, Kev. I've checked the calendar, and winter is coming. And when winter is coming, I look to Derrick Henry. And let me tell you something. You've said this once before. Uh, I'm pro football today, yesterday. I'm interviewing Davis Maddock. And he's on some like, yeah, Derrick Henry is going for over $10,000. And I don't want to play him because for him to return value, he'd have to either get that second touchdown or run for like over 200 yards. And what do you know? Derrick Henry, 26 carries, 215 yards and two touchdowns. A.J. Brown, seven catches, 112 yards and a touchdown. And Kev, you know how I feel about Derrick Henry and all that. I think it's even augmented as well. Winter is coming, right? Mm -hmm. But I always want to broaden this out, Kev. A.J. Brown, one of the most physical wide receivers in the AFC. Corey Davis, a physical number two wide receiver. I know, you know, for me, and we put these two teams together, for me, the Titans are almost like the Seahawks of the AFC. Because I buy their offense. I really do. But we think that defense can Mm. give it up and could ultimately be their Achilles heel. We don't have to talk about Jacksonville because the Jets lost as well. Talk to me about what these Titans look like, who they can be. Because, Kev, last year, these Titans went into New England and beat Brady and Belichick. Went into the number one seed and MVP Lamar, right, and punched them in the mouth. Were up 24-0 against the Chiefs in the AFC championship game and then Mahomes did Mahomes like things talk to me about the candidacy of the Tennessee Titans as a legit contender yeah if we have time though there is one thing I'd like to mention on Jacksonville if not it's all good but as far as the Titans go okay you mentioned by the way the Derrick Henry thing yeah I think that we might have a similar thing on Jacksonville sure Sure. probably right now here's the deal with there's one person's name who proves the case of tanking Unreal. What a and it's just unreal. Derek Henry. I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying with like they, it's the same thing that I said, right? That time against the Texans. I'm like, I can't play this. I think he's gonna need 200 yards and two touchdowns right. just and then it's exactly and what he look, did, right? What do you know? So, right. Yeah. So what happens to Davis Maddox? I was actually pretty upset with myself because you everyone here knows that we have these uh options on the FanDuel Sportsbook to lead the uh this Sunday in passing yards, rushing oh, yards, yeah, yeah, yeah. receiving sure. yards. Derrick Henry was plus two fifty which is incredibly low. You have to understand, he is going up against every single available player on Sunday, and he checked in at sure. plus 250. But I bet this number the first time that he played against Jacksonville. Positive that he was going to do exactly this. I foolishly right. did not come around for seconds. But Derrick Henry, I mean, <laughs> what can you say? He, he ripped off big runs. He pummeled this team. It's what he does. I love this idea that as it gets colder, Derrick Henry is yeah. just more and Winter more effective. Coming, it's baby. ridiculous. I love the King James celebration as well. I mean, you right. know me. I'm all right. about that in every sure. single way imaginable. And I'll also just say this. You mentioned, you know, two teams, a little physical, a little in your face. Is it a coincidence that they both have wide receivers from the NWL? I mean, I don't think so. AJ Brown and DK Metcalf. (laughs) They can steal chairs to defensive corners for the next decade. I love everything about it. This is a Titans team that I was high on coming into the season. I got really concerned after that game against the Indianapolis Colts. Then they beat Baltimore. Then Baker Mayfield had a career day on him. This is a team that their defense is an issue. But if they can have Derrick Henry throw people into the dirt, 
this is the thing. They can keep pace. It's not even just about, oh, they can keep the, you know, the opponent off the field, control the clock, and win a 17 right. 10. They can be game. down and still go, right? And that's what we talked about with the Tannehill thing, these receivers, yeah. right? They're not actually out of their game script if they're no. down. And they can still turn the ball and give it to yeah. Derrick Henry. They, that's why I asked you, like, talk to me about the candidacy of the Titans mm-hmm. as a contender. I'm with you, Kev. They had that dip in the middle of the season. I don't think we should, should completely leave them. Right? right? I think we should remember yeah. the Titans as it were. <laughs> Shout out to Denzel Washington, right? Because yeah. they have the elements. I know that they could be had defensively. I know that, right? Yeah. But they have the elements that can hang with almost anybody in a playoff scenario. Right. I, and, and I like what they're bringing to the table. I just think, I think the thing for them is they're not going to grind it out with Derrick Henry to a 17-13 game. They're going to Grind it out with Derrick Henry to a 31-28 football. Right, right. <laughs> While we quickly have time, the Gardner Minshew thing, if anybody didn't know yeah, what ridiculous. we were alluding to, it's many, many moons ago, he got injured. Who gives you the like, best oh. chance to win? Yeah. Oh, you clearly don't want to win. It was, Dane was like, oh, they're pulling him. I'm like, ah, he's a little banged up. I'm sure they'll go back to him. I forgot he existed. And then he comes into the game, 18-31, buck 78 and a score. This is unreal. I totally forgot that Gardner Minshew was on this team. What a tank They clearly don't want to win. He is their best quarterback, and it's not even close, people. It's not even close. They're tanking. It's either going to be Higby. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody. Big shout to all of our affiliates joining the fun here as we fundamentally put the fun in functional sports content on the grid every weekday morning with Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. It's the early line. If you don't know, now you know. If you don't know, Kevin is an Eagles fan, and the Eagles turn to Jalen Hurts in this one at home against the one seed, the 10-win Saints. And they get the job done. Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagles win this game 24-21. to The Saints had not given up a 100-yard rusher in years. And they gave up two in this game. Miles Sanders breaks off a long one. He goes over 100. Jalen Hurts also runs for 106 yards. I got to tell you something else, Kev, that happened in this game that was very unusual for the 2020 Eagles. They didn't allow a single sack in this game either, which is absolutely important. Now on the other side, Taysom Hill throws two touchdowns, does his running thing, but it's not enough. We'll see if Drew Brees comes riding in on a horse next week. His status is up in the air still, but let's talk about the Eagles. They get the job done, 24-21. I mean, what a team. What an absolute unit. What a force. Here's the deal. Jalen Hurtstein was 17 of 30 for 167, a touchdown, yep. and a fumble. That is yep. ultimately something where if Wentz put up those numbers, it's nothing to write home about. It would be, oh, man, it's not a bad game from Wentz. The difference maker is the legs. Before the kneel downs, sure. Jalen Hurts, 15 rushes for 110 yards, finishes with 18 for 106. 
what he is able to do on the ground. Because Carson Wentz has been solid running the football, but there's levels to this, right? There's a difference sure. between a guy like Wentz or Rodgers, Lamar, Kyler, yeah, Jalen yeah, yeah. Hurts. Absolutely. And that element to a team is so important. Because look what it did for Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders goes back now to finding holes and hitting a home run on that 82-yard rushing touchdown. And that's the crazy. Like, Jalen Hurts, like, you might put an asterisk next to a team, right, that has not given up a 100-yard rusher in, I believe, what was 56 consecutive games. Yeah, Jalen Hurts does it, and you go, ah, it's a quarterback. We can say they haven't given up a running back 100-yard day. But Miles Sanders goes for 14 for 115 and two scores. I mean, that's a heck of a performance for him. And as far as the Eagles go, it added another element there. Doug Peterson seemed like he was a little bit more inventive, I felt like, with the offense, putting in some of these runs with Jalen Hurts. And you said it, no sacks. It's not like, like yep. the offensive line played better. They didn't play spectacular. It's just that Hurts knows how to get outside the numbers and make it happen with the legs and do it confidently. It was exciting to watch. What he brings on the ground is is sensational, and his rushing prop was in the 30s. I got to think that thing checks in next week around the 60s. Uh, it was an incredible thing to watch, and the Eagles got a big result. Nah, I hear you. I don't know if they're going to boost it up that much. They didn't even boost up the Kyler Murray ones that much early in the season. You talk about Miles Sanders. He did rip off an 82-yard touchdown run outside of that. He was 13 carries for 33 yards, more yeah. like what the Saints' run do defense that. does against the running back. He absolutely can. Sanders breaks mm -hmm. long ones all the time, kind of like a Chubb or a Henry does, right? Yeah. And that's part of the reason why they have those yards per carry at around five per carry, unlike most running backs but talk to me let's zoom out for a hot second even though we have other games to discuss and the saints are really still you know kind of a division leader and all that you talk about the element of jalen hurts i mean the saints have that with Taysom hill right so talk to me about the future of though this decision we know about carson wentz's contract we know about you know the result of the eagles now under jalen hurts like, what are you expecting to do? There is a narrative out there last week, Kev, mm -hmm. that this was kind of like a one-week thing, right? To let yeah. Carson Wentz sit and learn and all this stuff. So where are they now? Yeah, before the game started, they came out and said that Hurts is going to end up being the guy for the rest of the season. And certainly when the game plays out, there's nothing that is going to be okay. changing that tune. Here's the deal with the Eagles. And I don't know if people think that this is going to be a crazy move by me, but they just beat the New Orleans Saints. Next week, they'll play the Arizona Cardinals in Arizona. They lost some players in their secondary. No doubt about it. That's a tough matchup. But if they're able to get that result, if they were able to get that result, their final two would be against Dallas and then they would go into that game against Washington, very likely winning in. If Jalen Hurts, Dane, was able to have the Eagles win out and get into the playoffs, I don't know if there is any competition going into camp next year for Wentz versus Hurts, because that's something that I've been consistent with. And I'm not going to lose my mind off of one game, but I did not really yeah. think that they were going to be able to beat the New Orleans Saints. I mean, that just felt a little bit too much. And I think that's the thing that can happen over the next four. Hurts is going to be the quarterback to close this season out, no doubt about it. But there's a world where he plays to a level where I don't think they let 
Hurts and Wentz compete for the starting job. I still mm. think Wentz might be hanging around and be the backup quarterback. He'll be a wildly expensive one, and it would, you know, turn into a different insurance policy yeah. with Jalen Hurts, obviously, as your starter. But it is the type of performance. It changes the franchise. It changes the offense. Thing. We've seen this around the league. Your Lamars, your Kyler Murrays, yeah. you know, heck, even Josh Allen when he was beginning his career. Sure. These running quarterbacks are valuable in this league. Yeah, they absolutely are. And I don't want to rain on your parade in any way, shape, or form, but it is still only one, right? Yeah, for so sure. let's see him continue to do it. You mentioned Arizona up next. That's a team that's in playoff position. So, yep, yep. go ahead and do it again. It was a great effort, right? But mm-hmm. we have seen uh, one-off efforts be really Tonight, good. The team yeah, kind of blow up for right? them. We'll see, 100%, right? So we will 100%. see. It's certainly encouraging. Let's see if he keeps it going. We got another game to discuss, the Atlanta Falcons and the Los Angeles Chargers. Kevin, this game, I told you, just bet the plus money inside of three minutes, whatever, because neither mm-hmm. one of these teams want to close. And then both of these teams are trying to give it up. I saw Justin Herbert turn the ball over. Then Matt Ryan turned the ball over. Then another fumble. But ultimately, the Chargers do get a win, 20-17, to 17, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. Nine catches each, Mm -hmm. Kev, and that is something I think interesting. Keenan Allen gets to 99 and is second in the NFL on the season. There's a lot of reasons to think the arrow is pointing up on this Chargers team, I feel like, even though Anthony Lynn can't even make good coaching decisions. Kev, he became the special teams coach this week, and did you see them at the end of the first half not being able to get the field goal off because they were running the ball? This still plagues Anthony Lynn, but I gotta tell you, Kev, this Chargers roster is definitely above average in this NFL. Yeah, I I think the Chargers are going to be a team where you you want to be careful if you're a Chargers fan. You don't want them winning too much down the end and thinking they should be bringing Mm. Anthony Lynn back. That's not the right Mm. move. Uh, I wanted Austin Eckler is the man. I mean, this guy's an absolute stud out of the backfield. Nine catches for 67 on the ground, 15 of 79. Uh, I think he's absolutely fantastic. This is a shame this game didn't end in a tie, by the way. On the Falcons (laughs) side of things, there's a reason why Julio Jones makes the Falcons pay him every, more money every single summer. Matt Ryan was horrendous in this game and lost this game multiple times and ultimately throws three interceptions. Three picks? It's the type, it's the type of performance that accelerates the transition at quarterback for ATL. Uh, and I don't know what happens with Raheem Morris. I, I feel like this defense has played better, and he has the inside track to become this team's head coach at the end of this season. I don't know if there, I mean, there's no guarantee that that's how this is going to end for him. But the Falcons may be the team, Dan, that I have the most question marks about going into the offseason. I think they got a lot of big decisions yeah. in their hands. Listen, you know that I've been talking about it in that way for a long time, that when you bring in a new regime, they're going to have to pick a fork in the road, Kev. They are. Mm -hmm. Because Matt Ryan is, what, like 36. Julio Jones is aging. Todd Gurley has an arthritic knee that's getting worse and worse. By the way, if you're in fantasy and you have Gurley, get yourself Edo Smith. Get yourself Brian Hill. Because when you need them in the championship, Todd Gurley is not going to be active for this team, Mm. I don't think, in like week 16. Julio is another candidate to get shut down 
down as this team has very little to play for. And I think you're absolutely right, Kev. And I said this early. I think a new regime may take the fork in the road, okay? And let Matt Ryan go elsewhere for his swan song, okay? And there are other people, whether they're in the market drafting, whether they're signing a young kid like a Minshew or a Darnold, for example. Um, There's a lot of options and some decisions there for Atlanta. I want to talk about another team in that division, Kev, that you may not think so, but I think they have their quarterback for the next, you know, coaching tenure, let's say. And his name is Teddy Bridgewater, ironically. However, they lose to the Denver Broncos in an odd game. I found this to be a little bit of an odd game. The Broncos win this one 32-27. Drew Locke throws for four touchdowns, making it feel like maybe Denver needs to keep him around as the franchise quarterback. You know I believe in Teddy Bridgewater and that that team mm-hmm. needs to just keep on going on the defensive side, right? They've got three wide receivers. They have a Christian McCaffrey coming back, and Teddy can be a game manager. What do you think? Like, both of these teams are going to be in the top 10. They're going to be drafting early. They don't have much to play for. But I think the arrow's pointing up in Carolina with the young defense. You know, they found some guys. I think they have the playmakers they need on offense. On the Denver side, listen, Judy and Hamler, the best rookie duo. They will get Cortland Sutton back on this offense. They have a defensive head coach in Fangio. Like, are there reasons to be encouraged for both of these teams, even though there's not much to play for for the rest of the month? It's interesting on the Carolina side, it could be a situation, and I don't want to get into this Jared Goff stuff again, but this, the mm-hmm. idea around like Goff and Garoppolo, right, is they're solid enough quarterbacks with good coaching and good weapons. Right. Can and Teddy the do that? Feel like, but the thing is, the, the narrative around those two teams is, man, if they can have better quarterback play. So do you want to tie yourself down to Teddy? It'll be interesting how they make that decision. As far as Denver goes, Drew Locke, 21 of 27, 284 touchdowns, no picks. KJ Hamler with a big day. Do the Broncos have their franchise quarterback? I don't know yet, but I know Drew Locke's going to be their starting quarterback next year, and that's enough for this team to continue seeing what they have. Fair enough. We look back on one more game and preview Monday Night Football when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid. Dane and Kevin looking at what we saw yesterday at week 14. We got one more game to preview as well before we close it all out. And then later in the week, we'll be looking at the playoff picture, the injuries, the draft order, and all that. But we do have one game left to discuss, and it was the Andy Dalton revenge game as the Dallas Cowboys went into Cincinnati and got the job done. Andy Dalton throws two touchdowns in his return. Listen, and that defense that has been much maligned, 
right? Turned the Bengals over three times, scored a touchdown themselves, right? And listen, they get the job done 30-7 to against a Bengals team who, without Joe Burrow, without an offensive line that's given up the most sacks this side of Philadelphia, has gotten very little pressure on the quarterback themselves. We believe the Bengals are primed to potentially lose out, compete with Jacksonville and the Jets for the top three spots overall, but... That notwithstanding, I mean, the Cowboys are drafting in the top like six right now also, and they go in there and get Mm -hmm. a 30-7 to win on the road, Kev. Ultimately, for the Cowboys, you're not going to lose your head over them beating a Bengals team that has ripped off three offensive touchdowns since Barr was left. But, again, if you look at the Dallas schedule, it does smile on them a bit. Unfortunately for them, Washington has just played too well. Dallas needs to win out, and they need Washington to lose out in order to win the NFC East. So that is unfortunate for them, but they're going to try and see if they can end this season with a bit of momentum and maybe have better vibes around Mike McCarthy. I think that's really what this is going to look at. Can Zeke finish out the season a little bit stronger? You know, get just get some adequate enough quarterback play from Dalton, and good for him going back to Cincinnati, playing well and getting a nice win. As far as Cincinnati goes... I know that I've tossed this to both you uh, and Brian during the break about what happens if the Bengals pick second. Could they look at Justin Fields? And I know you guys reject it. And I understand that. Okay? I understand that. But let's just say Joe Burrow was going to miss the first half of next season. They can't send Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley out there. They can't. They're going to have to get quarterback play from somewhere. I mean, there's... There's weapons on this team. A.J. Green is the worst wide receiver they're throwing out there because T. Higgins is the best, and Tyler Boyd is solid. Eventually, they'll play Joe Mixon next year because they obviously have no reason to play him this year. Giovanni Bernard, the trivia man himself, is still going to be able to give him something. They're going to add some pieces to this offensive line. When we go through the quarterback carousel, the Bengals are going to be a part of that question. And ultimately, the Justin Fields thing, or slash Trevor Lawrence, whatever, it's a little bit of fun. I think it's an interesting debate about team building, okay? But they're going to need to put somebody in that quarterback position. I don't think they just tank the first eight games, because I don't know why you would ever bring Burrow back after that. No, I, I agree with that, but I don't mm-hmm. think they will look to their quarterback play with their top five overall pick. That's what I'm saying, right? right. Like, it sure. could be there's a lot of people every year who are kind of in the merry-go-round. And there's a lot of people every year who have to accept that they are now backup quarterbacks, right? That they are now bridge quarterbacks. And I think it'll be someone more in that level okay Mm -hmm. if and when depending on the joe burrow injury and his rehab and all of that the Bengals will be drafting towards the beginning a guy like a trubisky a guy like a sam darnold a guy like a guy we were just talking about last segment gardner Minshew is going to be on a different team next year right and he and darnold to me are two kind of guys i mean that are not obvious starters in the league, but probably better than a backup in this league, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that can be said for Minshew and Darnold, and that's the kind of quarterback that I think may be in the cards for the early season there in Cincinnati. But I digress. We got a Monday night football game, Kev, to talk about to close out 
week number 14, and this is a big one in my opinion. I think this tells the tale and enhances the narrative for both teams, win or lose. This game is taking place in Cleveland. So, Kev, we got to check the weather in Cleveland on a nighttime slate because we know the wind can be an issue. But honestly, Kev, for both of these teams, they are content to run the damn football, and it's fine. The Baltimore Ravens come into Cleveland. The Browns are three-point home dogs in this one despite being two games up on the Ravens in the AFC North. And I mentioned the run games in this one because Baltimore leads the NFL in rushing. 169 yards a game. You know about Lamar Jackson, Mark Ingrams, Gus Edwards, my guy, the house elf, J.K. Dobbins, who has, Kev, gone for 70 yards and a touchdown in two of his last three. And his scrimmage prop tonight is at 55 and a half. But I digress. On the other side, though, the Cleveland Browns are second in the league in rushing, 157 yards a game. They boast the only pair of running back teammates, both over 700 yards in Chubb and Hunt. And here's what I will say as for me, one of the biggest stats of all of this, Kev. You have been questioning Lamar, Lamar's development, the mechanics we see with his elbow, the ball sailing. Can he deliver? Can he... um, not do what he's done in a lot of games recently, throw an early Mm -hmm. pick six, an early interception, stuff like that. Kev, these are two teams that run. These are two teams that can play defense. While you have some concerns about Lamar and his mechanics and his turnovers, I also say to you, Baker has not thrown an interception, Kev, since October 25th. That's great. And I believe that is very important for Baker for this offense and the run game, for what Cleveland wants to do, and why I might be comfortable taking three points in the home dog tonight, Kev. I, I think, uh, you know, they're a 9-3 team that's lost one home game, right? So are they not getting respect, or do we have a situation where clearly Baltimore is getting too much respect? Well, no, because I, th- both. I, th- I think— Could it be both? I think the—yeah, I guess. I mean, I just think Baltimore— I think this is kind of a spread that reminds us that Baltimore was priced on the exact same line as the Chiefs to enter the season. And I think it's a reminder that the book might be thinking, Baltimore's back. Not a slight to Cleveland, just Baltimore's back, right? This line is basically what it would have been. Like the look-ahead line, right, before we played the year. I think this is what this spread would have been. So for them to enter in this way, the books just says, look, we've not changed our perception too much. We like what we've got from Baltimore. Cleveland is doing their thing, but we're not outrageously higher on Cleveland. And you know, maybe the money has yeah. flowed a certain way to keep this number at three instead of two and a half or even a one and a half or, or maybe even a pick em. Why I love this game, Dane, is there is no result, right, all four outcomes. Baltimore tight win, Cleveland tight win, Cleveland route, Baltimore route. There's no result that doesn't give us something to sink our teeth into. That's like That way, I know I'm going to be invested all the way into the last. It's going to be exciting to see this. From the Browns' perspective here, do they want to win this game? Yeah. I don't want to keep getting beat up by the Steelers and the Ravens. It's a big game for this division, right? From my, my perspective, though, they do not need to win to show me something, right? Because that's kind of what's been going on with Cleveland, right? For a little while during this year, Dane. It's yeah. uh, I need you to win this game so I know it's for real. I feel like they so did that So they've crossed last that threshold already? They've showed yeah. you something already? 
Yeah, okay. what they did last week against the Titans. Like that's one that's now if they get ran out of the building, it'll be more about Baltimore, likely, but we'll see how it plays out. Ultimately, I like the Ravens in this game because I am excited about what that ground game is doing. It was against Dallas. I get it. But I thought you saw pieces of it starting to happen in that Wednesday Pittsburgh game. It carried over in a huge way, season high, against the Dallas Cowboys. And I think it continues to march into this game against Cleveland. I think that Ravens defense is going to continue to play some solid football here, put the Browns into some uncomfortable situations. I like the Ravens. I wish it was lower than three. And I think if I'm saying I wish it was lower than three, I probably then should take the three, right? But it's this spot where it's not too much to scare me off. I think the total's fascinating in this game because it feels pretty light to me with the way these two teams can move the football. I agree. Is the you know you, yeah. and you look at the team totals? Like you just Cleveland's said earlier in the show. Yeah, I agree with you. That's where I was going to go next around this total. You said earlier in the show, as it related to the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. That they're going to just run the ball, but they're still going to get to 35 points, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, I believe kind of the same thing. We have seen the same thing yes. with the Baltimore Ravens. We have seen the same thing with the Browns Absolutely. getting to 41 points, running for 300 yards, right? So mm-hmm. I agree with you, Kev. I think these teams can want to pound the rock, and we can still get way over the total in yeah. this game. I think that is very, very interesting. I am just going to believe in Cleveland. You said, is it the Ravens too much respect? The Browns not enough? I think it's a little bit of both, but with a lean to the Browns not getting enough respect. Okay, and here's yeah. the other thing I'll say. You know the way we've talked about – you know, the right hand, the left hand, as it were. Why should Kevin Stefanski potentially win NFL Coach of the Year, in my opinion, right? Regardless of all that, mm. I'm going to be so intrigued to see what happens with whichever team gets down in this game, right? Because mm. if Baltimore gets down, we have talked about, uh-oh, that's the whammy for Lamar, right? Do too yeah. much. They can play him differently. Let's see if he can bring them back in that kind of game script. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's the other way. Right. If we're staring 2010 Baltimore at halftime or something like that, I want to see Baker who hasn't turned the ball over in almost two months. And if they like you just said with Derrick Henry, right, they don't abandon the game script and just keep running. Or if we start to see Baker press a little bit. Right. I want to see the test of Baker. They've been getting up. However it is, right, running the ball, play action, whatever it is. And that has, I think, allowed Baker the freedom to game manage, do his thing, right? Baker last week was ridiculous, Kev. You remember that, right? His game, his four touchdowns, his 300 yards, but they were up. I want to see whichever one of these offenses, whichever one of these quarterbacks has the negative game script. I want to see how they respond, Kev. What do you think about prop bets? What do you think about that point as kind of the linchpin of this game? There's going to be a quarterback down. I want to see how they perform in a negative game script. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm juiced up about this game. I think it's a great football game here. I'm very, very excited for it. And it'll be interesting. To, you know, and maybe it's tight the whole way, and neither team gets kind of pushed off script, and they can continue to just play the football that they want, even if they're trailing by a bit. Sure. As far as a prop perspective goes, Lamar hmm. Jackson's rushing total is 53-and-a-half. Last week, he ran the ball 13 times for 94 yards. And the week before that, RG3 had seven carries 
for 68 yards. I believe that the running game with the quarterback position is back for this team. I think that Lamar number is going to keep going up, 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 up. And I think you can still get some value on that number at 53 and a half. If you look at the week one game, he only ran it seven times. It was for 45 yards, partly because that was, I mean, he had 275 passing yards in that game. I mean, that is, gosh, does that feel like something that Lamar Jackson did tonight? We would all pass out because when, I mean, just that doesn't happen. But he can run. I think he can run the football against this team. I think he will run the football against this team. And I think there's still some value there on that over rushing total. All right. Fair enough. Uh, I'm, like I mentioned before, I'm on the J.K. Dobbins rushing and receiving. I misspoke. It's 59 and a half. He's the guy they hit out of the backfield and through the in the run game. He has really taken the mantle over Mark Ingram. As I say all the time, the rookies do at the end of the season. 59 and a half is too low for me for J.K. Dobbins. I believe he goes over that number when Mark we come Andrews. back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com welcome back in everybody right into the early line as we tie a nice neat little bow on this episode the morning after is up next big shout out to jared and ariel they'll be continuing to hold you down on the grid we were talking about cleveland and we have another story about cleveland kev i don't know if you know major league is like my favorite movie of all time profile the cleveland indians back in the day and there were those three guys in the uh stands when the guy hits the home run he's like too high too high who gives a damn it's gone and that is the Hmm. case now with the Cleveland Indians. Who gives a damn? It's gone because the Indians have reported that after 105 years as the Cleveland Indians, they're going to go the route of the Washington football team. They are going to change their team name towards sensitivity towards our Native American fellow citizens here. And the Cleveland Indians will be changing their name after 105 years, Kev. A, what do you think? And B, what should the name be? You know, I think it's really interesting because I know that you are someone who you would always say the Washington football team before they were the Washington football team. But even in this segment, you've not referred to them as the Cleveland baseball team, right? And it's this thing where they did get, they got pulled into it. But ultimately, I've had this debate with people before and I've had people say, yeah, but I'm not offended by it. I don't care. It's not about you. It's about people who this actually relates to. And ultimately, I am surprised by this because Cleveland looked like they were going to change it. They went through an entire season, never addressed it, and then have ultimately made this move now during the offseason. So it's a, it's a move where it's surprising. It feels like it is the right move, though, and, and good on them. And ultimately, when they come up with a new logo, if they, you know, I can't believe we're calling them the Washington football team for a full season. But if ultimately, for Cleveland, they come up with a new logo, people will be excited. They'll buy the merch. They'll be all about it. I remember back when we were having a conversation and we thought they were going to change it before the slept past season. I think the uh, the Cleveland Spiders was tossed around as it's a mm. part of the lineage of the Cleveland baseball okay. team. It's got a sweet logo. I could see that. I can get behind that. Here's what I'll say. I am part Native American, and it doesn't offend me personally, but you got to make these moves, right, in 2020. Mm-hmm. I've got an idea to put it on the thing, and you see it from other places. The Rocks. This way all the gear could be like, Cleveland Rocks. 
What do you think? Oh, no, man. That little drink. Harry is up next.